Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, as we move forward, this is the part of the service where you kind of grab your bulletin notes and log into your YouVersion app or in the fifth part of a series that we've called Created to Create. And we've jumped into it every week with this concept that in God's hands, we're both a work of art and an artist at work. That God's at work in our lives. What amazing thing that God would want to work in our lives, transforming us, the scriptures say, from the inside out as our minds are renewed, as, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. We look up and we're literally different people as God works in our lives. And it is a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful thing. But it's not just so that we're better. If it was just so that we're better, when this thing ends up becoming pretty selfish, it becomes pretty self-centered. This is that God's at work in us so for our betterment, but so that we can then be an artist at work, so that he, we are a work of art and an artist at work, and he's working in our lives and through our lives. Why? Because he works through his body. He works through his people to make life better, and we've looked at this scripture Multiple times, it's, it's the, it's the center, <clears throat> center pen for this uh, series. And we're looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now this series, some of our small groups are tracking along with us and, and, and diving deeper each week into what we talk about on, on Sundays. And you can get a list of the small groups on your, the back of your bulletin. A lot of them won't be meeting this week due to the holidays, but we've got some really good small groups. Our young adult ministry also will track along on sun, with what we're doing on Sunday mornings. And so my, my son, Keenan leads that, uh, and uh, that meets here. If you're a young adult, I'd suggest you check it out. It's a great ministry. And so as they're breaking down the same concepts we are, Keenan was sharing with me that about this thing uh, of uh, something prepared in advance for you to do, and he had this wonderful illustration. I was like, man, why didn't I think of that? And so I was like, man, I lived that too. I was a part of that, and I, I just didn't see it. So I'm totally stealing Keenan's illustration Young adults have already heard it, so this, this past week he already used it. But years ago, um, about nine or so years ago, we went on our first adventure race, which if you're not familiar with adventure races, this is, happens like out, on a, out in a, like a, a ranch-type place. We did this at a, um, Camp Eagle near Rock Springs. And you mountain bike on trails, and you trek, and you orienteer with compasses and topo maps and you do kayaks and shooting and rappelling and all these things and you're you're finding these locations and you're getting these punches on this card and you have eight hours to do this in and so it was like hey we want to do this and this was a lot of a celebration of my dad who had just a couple of years before that before this race 
had had this heart condition called endocarditis. Any of you medical people know that is incredibly serious, serious thing. The survival rate of endocarditis is really, really, really low. And so the prognosis was not good. And uh, praise God, God brought him through it fully. He was in the hospital a long time. And um, so then we're sitting here on the backside of this, his heart in good enough condition to do this adventure race. So this was like a poke in the devil's eye, like you did not win here. And so we go out there to do this adventure race and have all of these elements that we were doing. And as we went through this, well, we didn't have to pack kayaks or rappelling gear or any of the stuff that we were going to need. We just had to show up and do it. Why? Because it was all prepared in advance for us to do. When it came time to get to the Nueces River and jump in there and, and kayak up to its headwaters and find its punch, the kayak was there. The life vest was there. The paddle was there. Now, we had to get in the kayak and we had to do the paddling. There were things prepared in advance for us to do. The only person who kind of got a free kayak ride was Keenan for some reason. And he laid back on Pompers and Pompers was going. And you know what happened. And so apparently there was something prepared in advance for Keenan to leisurely enjoy. And so, um, but the rest of us, it was prepared in advance for us to do. And so we got there and we, we did the stuff. When we got to the uh, 85-foot cliff to rappel down, the harnesses were there. The helmet was there. The rope was there. But guess who had to go over the edge and trust the rope and rappel down? We did. We had to trust. We had to understand that everything that was prepared in advance for us to do was safe and ready for us. There was still stuff for us to do. We ran the race, but all the stay, all the stuff was prepared in advance. Folks, this is what we're talking about, that God has given us this wonderful, beautiful life that he's called us into. And if we will dare to step out and begin to follow him in it, we'll see that all of his promises of provision and taking care of things and providing as we go that he's faithful to do that. But so many times we're so apprehensive, we won't even start this wonderful race that God has called us into. And so we, we cannot pull back. And the first way we pull back is with neglect. It's just neglecting the gift that God's given us. We, a bunch of you did, took the um, motivational gift test. I love seeing y'all sharing your results and, and taking that. That assessment is still available. If you didn't get to do it, look on our Facebook page and you can find that. And it helps reveal the, there out of Romans chapter 12, the seven motivational gifts and how you're wired. And I know it helps some relationships where people begin to see, oh, that's why you respond to crisis or problems that way. I thought you were just a jerk, but I see no. Yeah, you're, you're not a jerk. You're wired to get in the middle and start making a plan, you know? I think we ought to just hug them when there's a problem and you start barking orders, you know? And, uh, you know, and so we can see, oh, I, I see maybe God's at work here. Well, now once we begin to recognize that God's gifted all of us in some way, well, then what, what are we going to do with the gift? What are we going to do with it? We got to do something with the gift and we can't neglect the gift. We've got these plants out here in, in our building and they're pretty robust plants and um, but I do not have a green thumb I am not good at that and so we don't have anybody who's passionate about it so we each kind of take turns just just putting some water on it and these plants these little green plants can handle just about anything but chronic neglect 
And you'll see them, and they'll start to look a little sad, and you just pour a little water on them, and whoop, they're good for a while again. I mean, they're amazing. They're just like the only plants I can keep alive. But they can handle just about anything but chronic neglect. And so if we'll just continue to just, to just pour into things a little bit, I'm telling you, we'll begin to see things turn around. First Timothy chapter 4 says, Did not neglect the gift which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters and give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. So how do we not neglect it? Well, Paul talks to Timothy, same guy, and then in his second letter to them, and he encourages him that he's going to need to fan into flame God's gift. He's going to have to fan it into flame. And so if you've ever built a fire or you took the Boy Scout, Girl Scout, survival class type thing, you understand to be able to, you got to build a fire. And most of us, you know, we like to build a fire. We put all the wood together and we put a bunch of, you know, charcoal lighter fluid on it. And we stand at a safe distance and we chunk a match at it and bam, bonfire. But you know, it, it doesn't always go that way. You know, they're, they're having some horrible, horrible fires there in, in California. And the scriptures tell us there, and talking about our tongue, that, that an entire massive, majestic forest can be laid waste by just a little spark. Well, what happens? That little spark gets a, it gets a little oxygen. It gets a little, it gets a little life to it. And then it begins to glow, and it begins to impact something else, and impact something else. And a lot of times in life, we'll see somebody else's gift, and we'll see somebody else shining and we're like, oh, man, I would love to be able to glow like that. But all I got is this sad little tiny thing. Well, guess what? That's enough. It's enough. You just got to breathe some life into it. You got to start where you are. You got to fan it into flame. And sometimes the reason we don't is because we feel like we're going to have to apologize for shining. God's given you a gift to use. And you don't have to apologize for using your gift. And here, I can guarantee you this. I can guarantee you this. Anytime you begin to step forward and you begin to move forward in the things God's called you to do, there's going to be somebody shaking their head at you. There's going to be somebody, all of a sudden you begin to shine, and there's going to be somebody saying, who gave you the right to shine? You shouldn't be shining. There'll be somebody reminding you of all the stuff that happened in your past, of why you shouldn't be shining and they're like oh you did this and you did this and you did this and you're like you know you better you better watch out you better put your shades on because i'm gonna shine and so and we can't let it because there's always going to be somebody somebody trying to speak against it and we have to be willing to fan it into flame paul writes to timothy again he says for this reason i remind you to fan into flame the gift of god which is in you through the laying on the hands for the spirit of God did not, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. We have to cultivate it. We have to, to fan it into flame. See, cultivating your gift is going to require courage. It's going to require courage. Why? Because people are going to try to squash it. People are going to talk against it. People are going to say, who gave you the right to do that? You just, you think too much of yourself. No, no, we, we need to embrace the, God, the gift God has given us and dare to step out into it. 
And it's going to require courage. The spirit that God gives us does not make us timid. Looking again at 2 Timothy 1.7, the spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. We'll see here in just a little bit in Mark chapter 10 that there's a man named Bartimaeus who heard that Jesus was going to show up and be in his town and and he had something he needed. And there were those who tried to quiet him down and to hush him. But, But Bartimaeus, well, you'll see. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Have you guys looked outside today? Did y'all hear the birds singing? Did you see the color of the leaves outside? And look at you guys. You guys looking great this morning. But do you take those things for granted? When you don't get to see them every day, that's when you really see just how amazing these so-called common things really are. And I know sometimes you really do see them. And sometimes you see things that you don't see every day, like a shooting star in the night sky or a baby taking their first steps. And when you see them, that's when you really are in awe of how wonderful our God is and how intricate his handiwork, how marvelous are our God's works. And I can see them too. And like you, I wonder and marvel at what a delightful world this is and what a wonderful God we have. But it was not always like that for me, not not at all. You see, I was born blind. My name is Bartimaeus because I am the son of Timaeus. Well, my father was a very poor man. He barely made enough to provide for food for our family. And shortly after I was born, when my family discovered that I could not see, they made the decision to send me out to beg. I mean, what else could they do? There were no doctors who could help me see. And there was no magic. But please don't think that my family abandoned me because they didn't. They helped me to find a safe spot out of the roadside to set up my bowl, and they would always come and check up on me and watch me and make sure that I was okay. If I had not had my family, I would have starved, and that roadside would have been my bed and my grave. Do you know what it's like to be blind in my culture? To be ridiculed, spat on, robbed, and shunned by society itself? I just had to endure the taunts and the slander that they said against me and my family. They said, my father must have sinned horribly for me to be blind. They said, my mother must have been a... I'm not going to repeat what they said about my mother. The talk was constant, and I just had to try to ignore it. I prayed to God and asked him again and again, why me? Why this happened to me? And I got no answer. But I still believed and I still prayed. I believe that God still cared for me, that He did not abandon me. And then one day a miracle happened. A man came into our town. His name was Jesus. 
And I had heard about him. I mean, who hadn't? A man like me, you know, sitting on the roadside day after day, was probably the most informed man in town. I mean, nobody thinks I can hear just because I couldn't see. They just, as they're walking by, they just keep talking. And it turned out that this man, Jesus, they said, was a preacher and a teacher. Some even said a prophet. Others whispered the Messiah. They said that he had the gift of performing miracles. Maybe if I could just get his attention, he could heal me. Maybe, just, just maybe. And then Jesus came into our town. He was coming in on that very road where I was sitting. I could hear the crowd coming. They were people talking and shouting, growing nearer and nearer. And in my desperation, I, I thought, well, what if he misses me? What if, they, what, if they, what if they take him by a side road before, before he gets to me? So I did something I had never done before, a dangerous thing. I left my bowl, my spot, the place of contact for the people who provided for my knees, and I just waded into the crowd. It was a risk, but at that point, I didn't care. I just rushed into the crowd, not knowing who was who, and I shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And someone shouted, shut up, fool. And another bully came and slapped me on the side of the head, sending me reeling backwards and sideways. I didn't know where I was. My head was spinning, and I fell to the ground. And I cried out again, Jesus, have mercy on me. And everything stopped. And I heard the voice of Jesus say, call him to me. The man came over to where I was. He picked me up and said, take heart. He is calling you. And at that moment, I took off my beggar's cloak, my legal garment that allowed me to beg my identity, my security. And I just let it go. And I ran to the voice of Jesus. <laughs> what he said next was so simple that it, it almost took my breath away. He said, what do you want me to do for you? All my suffering and all my years came flooding back to me all my prayers to God, all my hopes and all my dreams. I answered with an answer just as simple as this question. I said, I want to see. And Jesus said, go. Your faith has made you well. And at that moment, I could see colors, shapes, movement, it was so overwhelming. I cried. I shouted. And at that day, I decided that I would follow him, and I would tell my story to anyone who would listen. But before I left, while Jesus was still in Jericho, I went to my family, and we celebrated. I didn't have to fuel my way to the water bucket to 
wash up. No, I just walked straight to it. And as I went to put my hands in, I saw my face. I had been so amazed and overwhelmed at seeing others' faces that I had completely forgotten that I had one of my own. So when I saw my face, I cried and I wept because my face was not that different from Jesus' face. I had known that others had been made in God's image, but I had never thought that I was. But I am, and so are you. We all carry his image with us. We were created to create. Great job, Reagan. You see in your notes there, we see in uh, Mark chapter 10, we see the story of, of Bartimaeus. And I don't want to reread the whole thing. Reagan did a great job of carrying us through that narrative. But I do want to look at his boldness, at his courage. Let's look at verse 47. It says, and when he'd heard that Jesus, <coughs> uh, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. He began to shout, began to lift his voice above the voices of those around him to make sure that his stood out and his penetrated Jesus' eardrums. He began to shout. There's this boldness. There's this thing that steps out and says, you know what? I believe that he cares about me. Yeah, there's a ton of other people around, but I believe he cares about me. Of course, many of them rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Folks, this is where the courage doubles down. Remember, it's going to require courage because there's going to be the, the haters who, who say, how dare you shine? How dare you cultivate your gift? How, how dare you try to fan something in the flame and think God wants to do something in your life? And there will be those who try to squelch you. And we have to double down on the courage. And here we see that Bartimaeus shouted all the more. He didn't go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I offended you. He said, excuse me, I'm trying to get a hold of Jesus' attention. I wasn't talking to you anyways. I'm talking to Jesus. There are people who will be offended by our worship. There are people who will be offended by our pursuit of God. There are people who are not going to understand it and try to squelch it. But I'm telling you, if you're going to step into everything God has for you, you just are going to have to move forward. It requires courage. I love in verse 50 of throwing his cloak aside. Bartimaeus shared with us of what that meant, that it was his beggar's cloak. It was his legal document that he'd been checked out and that he literally was blind. He wasn't some guy on the side of the road trying to do a hustle. He literally was in that cloak, let everybody in that culture know, this guy is legit. He really needs your help. And people would then give based off it. And as he stands up and chunks that aside, he was ready for a new identity. He was ready and said, I'm not going to need that anymore. How is a blind man going to find his cloak in the middle of a throng, in the middle of a mass of people? He wasn't. He didn't care. He was moving forward. And then our last one that I see here, just being bold and courageous, is his simple answer. He says, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. When Jesus asked him, what do you want? Like, Don't you know what I want? I'm a blind man yelling at you. I think you probably ought to put two and two together, Jesus. 
But he went ahead and finished the ask. He went ahead right there and says, I want to see. Folks, it requires courage, and then it also requires love. And our love is, <clears throat> is that we focus on how our gifts help others. Our gifts become our, 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 our setbacks. Our gifts become the thing that gets in the way when we begin to use our gifts for ourselves. But if we will always use our gifts to serve others, our gifts don't become the thing that chokes us. It begins to be the thing that God uses to promote us. And we will look at 1 Peter 4.10. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve, serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If we'll just serve others with our gifts, man, I'm telling you, it can flourish and we can, we can just let it go. And then the last thing we're going to need is it's going to require self-discipline. And we don't like this one. We don't like this one at all. But without, well, let's just make this simple. It's first off, don't, don't quit and be consistent. If we'll just keep those two things of self-discipline, we look at somebody else and, boy, they just do all the right stuff and do everything. And we can think, man, I can't live up to that. You know what you can do? You can choose to not quit. And you can have some place where you're just like, I'm just going to be consistent. And maybe you just need to start small so you can keep the winds rolling. That's fine. We give you lots of runway here at Celebration Church. We give you lots of space. You can move super fast or you can move slow. We just want you moving forward. And to do that means you have to, to not quit. You have to be consistent. We look again at 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says, do not neglect your gift, which was given to you. Through prophecy of the body of elders laid their hands on you. And be diligent in these matters. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. And then we see Matthew chapter 5. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. <clears throat> Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And glorify God because of the good stuff that we do, that God prepared in advance for us to do. So the one that prepared it is the one that gets the glory and we get to be a part of it. It's a beautiful thing. So our next step is this simple. Set aside some time to cultivate your gift. Set, some, set aside some time to cultivate it, to work on it, whatever God's called you to do. If you feel like you're, you're wired and you're gifted to be compassionate and be a listener, then maybe take some classes on, on how to counsel and, and to give some, some, uh, some coaching and, and to some pastoral care. Maybe if your gift is being hospitable, maybe set aside some time to learn on on how to, to, to do some things on that front. It's not all simply the, the, the most obvious things. You're all wired for something to make a difference in people's lives. And let God lead you in how to cultivate your gifts. Our bottom line, folks, is that your flame, the, the gift that God's put in your hands, folks, it's fan-supported. You're going to have to fan it into flame. You're going to have to breathe some life onto it. You're going to have to let the oxygen of the Holy Spirit begin to come in and and make a difference. Because when it's all said and done, we were created in the image of a loving creator to be a part of his recreation, to be a part of it. God is recreating all around us. He's bringing things that were wrong and making them right. And he wants to use us to be a part of that process. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. 
can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.